you would turn to uh, the book of Matthew, book of Matthew. If you're joining us on Facebook or YouTube, I want to thank you for being a part of our services this morning. Thank you for joining with us. Everyone else, either pull your Bible app out or if you could join us on greeting uh, the Word of God. My pastor used to say this. My pastor used to say, make sure that what I'm saying lines up with God's Word. Don't just believe everything I say. Man, I tell you what, I appreciate that. He would say that over and over and over again. And that's why I encourage you to make sure that what I'm saying lines up with God's word. I'm reading the scriptures every week. Every week I get up here when I open up my Bible. I'm not just telling stories, giving opinions, or, or just sharing cute little poems. Come on now. We're studying the word of God together. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. We're going to continue a series we started last week called Called Out what it means to be the church, and I always like to spend some time reviewing, because you just can't catch it all in one message, and I know many of you did not listen to the podcast a hundred times this week. I didn't listen to it at all, and so I encourage you to do that, but, but uh, sometimes you need a refresher. I always love to give and spend a lot of time reviewing, because you need to hear these scriptures. I need to hear these scriptures more than once. So we started off talking about what it means to be the church, and so I want to review for just a minute. In Matthew chapter 16, if you're there, uh, Jesus had entered the region of Philippi, Caesarea Philippi, which was a very dark, dark area. He was going to an area where there was lots of sin and darkness and debauchery and, and all sorts of fornication and, and just, just a really, really tough area. And he actually says this to his disciples as he's walking into, the Bible says, and he entered Caesarea Philippi, and he actually says, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, Elisha, and Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then he turns to his disciples, his followers, the, one, the ones who had followed him, and he says to them, now who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up, and Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, right? The Son of the living God. Now watch this in verse number 17. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, talking of Peter, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, and I say to you that you're Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, when Jesus says this, He's not talking about Peter being the rock. Even though the word Peter is Petrus, which means rock, and Jesus had changed his name. He said, no longer will you be called Simon, you're now going to be called Peter, right? And so he said this, upon that rock, but he wasn't speaking of Peter. Peter wasn't the first pope. How many of you know man is never the foundation of God's church? Can I get a good amen for that? But the revelation of who Christ is, when Peter said these words, thou art the Christ, right, the son of the living God, Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. My Father in heaven revealed it to you. And that revelation of who I am, that's what I'm going to build my church on. I'm going to build my church on that revelation. And the word church is actually the word ecclesia. And it literally means this, translated called out ones. So Jesus said, upon the revelation of who I am, I'm going to gather people 
And I'm going to build them, and they're going to be the church, and they're going to be ecclesia. He said, on that revelation, I'm going to build the ecclesia. I'm going to build a church, a body of people who were called out, were called out. So the question is, if we're called out, what are we called out from? Right? Because when people think of church, they think of church, and most people would describe church as a what or where. The church is a, an organization that gets together and they sing songs and they listen to preaching and they do charitable deeds. And, and we do sing songs and we listen to preaching and we do charitable deeds. But that's not what the church is, right? That's not the church. That's just what the church does. We do some of that. And we do a little more of, of this and a little more of that, right? That's what the church does. But the church is not an organization. The church is an organism. It is a living thing. So when Jesus described it, he didn't describe it as a what or where. He didn't say, hey, the church is, is a 16569 Southern Boulevard, Loxahatchee, Florida, 33470. No, he didn't say the church is on the corner of Southern and Seminole Pratt. He actually describes the church as a who. Come on now. The church is, is the people of God. The church is you. The church is I. That means that wherever we gather, the church gathers. We don't need four walls to have a church. Amen? Well, you could be in your living room and have church. You could be in a coffee shop and have church. In fact, wherever you are, that's where the church is. Amen? You are the church. I am the church. So the church are those people who have committed to be called out. Called out from what? Well, I would submit this. The first thing God has called us out from is darkness. Darkness. Genesis, the first thing God did in creating the heavens and the earth is he dealt with darkness. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And the earth was without form, void, right? Darkness covered the face of the earth. That's the description of what God was about to do, right? And so that's the description. That's the headline. That's the title. And then he began to go to work. And how did he go to work? And God said, let there be light. Ooh, that's where he started. The first thing he did in creation is he dealt with darkness. And let me tell you, God is still dealing with darkness today. God still has an issue with darkness. God is still calling us out of darkness. God is saying, you're not supposed to live in darkness. You're supposed to live in the light. Amen? And so we're children of light. We're supposed to live in the light. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, but you are a chosen generation. Come on now. You are you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Amen. We have been called out of darkness. We have been called into light. Hallelujah. That means that we don't live like they live. We don't talk like they talk. We don't watch what they watch. Come on, somebody. We have to raise the standard of holy living. Hallelujah. We've been called out of darkness. We're different. Peter said peculiar. Yeah, we're peculiar, all right. I've met some real peculiar Christians. Sometimes we're the weirdest people on the planet, right? I'm not talking about called the weirdness. I'm just called to be different. Right? We're just different now. I don't, we don't laugh at the same jokes they laugh at. 
Amen? We don't listen to what they listen to. Come on, we don't watch what they watch. There ought to be something different about us. If we're just like them, then where's, where's the attractiveness? Who wants to be us if we're just like them? Who wants to show up here if we're no different? There ought to be something different about us, and that difference is this. We have been called out of darkness. Hallelujah. You know, Ephesians 5, when we read this last week, it's a very interesting portion of Scripture because in the very first part that we read, Ephesians chapter 5, it actually says this, but you were once darkness. You were once darkness, but now you're light. It doesn't even say you were in darkness. You were darkness. Come on now. You were darkness. And then he says this. It goes on to say this. Okay, now we need, need to live differently. We need to walk circumspectly. In other words, walk properly, right? Behave decently because the night is coming, right? Evil days are upon us. Time is short. You need to redeem the time. Walk wisely. And then it says this. You'll know what the will of God is. That gets revealed to you by the Holy Spirit as you live a holy life. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And then it goes on to singing songs and and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now watch this. Paul could have chosen any sin. Right? He could have chosen, do not lie, but be filled with the Spirit. Couldn't he? How many know drunkenness isn't the only sin out there? He could have said, do not commit adultery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. He could have said, do not murder, but be filled with the Spirit. No, here's what Paul deals with. He actually says, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, which means unsavedness. He said, don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Paul was actually building a contrast. When you are drunk, your inhibitions are lowered. You say things you wouldn't normally say. You do things you wouldn't normally do. Come on now. Some of you got stories. Turn to the person next to you. Say, he's talking to you right now. No, don't. Don't do that. That's how fights start. All right, so. But what I'm saying is, is Paul said this. When you're drunk, your convictions are lowered. When you're filled with the Spirit, do you see the contrast here? When you're filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit raises the bar. Huh? Wine lowers the bar. Alcohol lowers the bar, and you do things you wouldn't normally do, right? But when you're filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit raises the bar, and he tells you, no, you can't do that. That's out of bounds. That's inappropriate. No, you can't listen to that. You can't watch that. Come on now. You can't click on that. He begins to deal with you, and he raises your level of conviction. That's why Paul chose drunkenness to deal with. Don't be drunk with wine. Instead, here's the contrast. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I said this last week. The first point is this. As the church, we should allow the Holy Spirit to deal with us and talk to us and lead us and to talk to us about what we should walk away from. Huh? That means that we change the presets on the radio. That means that we don't allow the the Netflix and the Hulus, come on now, and the Prime Videos. And all these things to allow a bunch of garbage into our life and into our home. Can I get a good amen from somebody? Amen? Let's raise the standard. 
Come on now. Let's not listen to the same garbage they listen to. Let's not watch the same junk that they watch. So the Holy Spirit is going to lead you, and he's going to guide you. And if you just pray and say, Holy Spirit, today I need you to help me with my mouth. I need you to help me come on with what I watch. I need you to help me. Convict me. Listen, conviction is a beautiful thing, not a bad thing. Imagine having no convictions. How many of you know it's, it's, it's beautiful to have convictions? I've been saying it for years and years and years and years. Listen, to be holy is to be happy. To be holy is to be happy. To be holy is to be happy. I have met holy people and I have met unholy people. And the holy people I met that have lived in life as God intended them to live, that have high moral standards, they're some of the happiest people. They got a joy. Listen, they got something inside of them. They're fulfilling the plan and purpose of God. Listen, and the devil didn't give it and the devil didn't, can't take it away. Come on now. It's something inside of them. But I've also met those people that are unholy and they got this fake facade that says everything's okay. But when you begin to peel back the layers of their life, there's depression and anxiety and worry and stress because they know they're not living right. And listen, holiness leads to happiness. Amen. Come out of darkness. Come away from that mess. Huh? We're called to be different. Right? And this week, I want to talk to you about this. Here's the second thing I want to share with you. Allow the Holy Spirit to show you who to walk away from. Because there are some relationships we should sever. I spent years, when I was in North Florida pastoring up there, I spent years, once a month, I would drive from Chiefland, Florida, all the way to the other side of Gainesville, to the Juvenile Detention Center. And I would preach on a Sunday night once a month to a bunch of kids who got arrested and they were in juvenile detention center. If you never preached in a jail, it's very interesting. When you hear those bars clang behind you, it gets real, right? You know, this was a long time ago and I was kind of little, right? And so I would preach in the juvenile detention center and then in the Levy County Jail. And, you know, they just kind of put you in there. And, and everybody shows up for these things because there's nothing else to do. They're like, go, let's go hear the crazy preacher. So they put me in a room with like 40 inmates. And they say, you got an hour, cling. You know what I mean? Like, hey, God, whoa, hey, man. I'll be dead in an hour. Come on, man. Man, and I would preach and preach and preach. And people would get saved. But I'll never forget going to this juvenile detention center because... They were juveniles. They rotated a lot. Most of them did not stay, but a few days, a few weeks. So almost every 30 days, I'd have a new set of kids, and these were all guys. I'd go in there, and I asked the same question every week. How many of you are in here because you did something dumb with a friend? And do you know, not once did I have anybody keep their hand down. Every week, every kid, every young man raised their hand and said, I went in here because I did something dumb with a friend. Something dumb with a friend. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts. It corrupts morals. It corrupts Christianity. It, it corrupts light. You know? It's going to happen. You have to guard who your friends are. 
Because if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And you have to be very careful of who you allow into your life. We're not just called out of darkness. We're called away from. And there are certain people in our life that we need to sever. There are certain people in our life that we need to love from a distance. Right? This is what the Word of God teaches us. Proverbs chapter 12 says this. The righteous needs to be careful who they have as a friend because wicked people will lead us astray. Huh? They'll just lead us astray. They'll just pull on you. They'll just pull on you. I'll never forget the first time I said a curse word. I could take you to the spot. I could drive you there right now. It's at Rosemary Avenue North in Boynton Beach. I was sitting on one of those big gray electrical boxes that they have in the neighborhoods. And I'm sitting there with all my friends, and I'm 12 years old. And then they cursed, and they cursed, and they cursed. They cursed all the time. I didn't curse at all. But I hung around them, right? And I listened to them. And it wasn't allowed in my house. I grew up in a Christian home. We didn't allow foul language. If my dad ever, whoa, if he ever would have heard me say, a foul word, there'd be a brine-shaped hole right through the wall. I'm telling you, he would have just thrown me right through it. You understand? So it wasn't allowed. But I'll never forget when I said it, because here I am acting tough in front of all my friends, and it just came out. I didn't intend to say it. I didn't mean to say it. I didn't even think about it. Evil company corrupts. And suddenly it came out. And here I am trying to look cool, and the first thing I did was cover my mouth. Like, and they're all looking at me like, ah, you know what I mean? Because I couldn't believe I even said it. And I went, wow. And that's when I realized, okay, they're dragging me down. They're pulling me away. They're being darkness to my light, right? Because I was trying to live right. I was going to church. I wanted to love God, but it's tough. All the neighborhood kids, none of them serve God. And here they are. They were my pals, man. They were my buds. Come on now. They were my friends. Now, what do I do, right? But 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says this, you cannot be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. For what fellowship has what? Light with darkness. See, God's got a problem with darkness. He just does. For what fellowship does light have with darkness? See, there are some relationships that need to come to an end, and they need to come to an end as soon as possible. That doesn't mean that at the end of church today, you just send somebody a text and say, my pastor said, I can't hang out with you anymore. (laughs) Nasty mean. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's not how you do that. Because we need to bring some sort of balance here. But the truth is, is that there are some relationships that need to be challenged. And what we need to do is scan the horizon of our life and begin to look at and go, okay, who's bringing me down? Who's not encouraging me? Who's not lifting me up? Who's the one who's being darkness and, and I'm not being light? So, so we have to challenge those relationships and go, okay, I need to spend less time with them. And I need to spend more time with people who are going to lift me up and encourage me and speak the word of God over me and begin to talk to me about my faith and begin to tell me, hey, God's got this. You can do this. Come on now. You're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I need someone to speak the word over my life. I don't need people to drag me down. Hallelujah. Amen. 
You say, well, pastor, pastor, wasn't Jesus a friend of sinners? Huh? Now, I know that's a very popular song by a very popular group. And it's a good group, and I like them. I just saw them in concert a few weeks ago. And I know somebody wrote a book just recently, a pastor who doesn't live far from here, and it was a very popular book, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. But can I just tell you today that there's perhaps no other statement out there or verse that is taken more out of context than Jesus, Friend of Sinners. Let me just tell you right now, Jesus' best friends were not sinners. That's not what the Bible says. In fact, nowhere does it say Jesus was a friend of sinners. Let's show you exactly what that verse says. If you're in Matthew already, just flip over a few chapters to Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to look at exactly what the word of God says. Right? Now, in this chapter, Jesus is talking about John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist had sent some of his disciples while he was in jail to visit Jesus and say, hey, are you the one? Are we supposed to look for somebody else? Right? And Jesus begins to talk to him. Then he, then he begins to talk to the multitude. And now, in this verse, he's talking to the multitude. Right? And it says this. Watch this. And it says, actually, it's talking of Jesus. And it says... In verse number 18, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. They say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine bibbler, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. Okay? Now watch this. Was Jesus a drunkard? Wine bibbler? No. Was he a glutton? No. So if those true, those are not true, or those two are not true, then the last one's not true. Right? Who said it? Jesus never said it of himself. His disciples never said it of him. The apostle Paul never refers to him as Jesus, friend of sinners. It was the Pharisees who put that title on him as a derogatory title. It said, look, John the Baptist, he didn't spend time with nobody. John was a loner. John got invited? Nope. Not going. I'm going to stay home. Eat locusts and make more camel suits. I mean, I don't know what he did. All right, so that's just what he did. But the Bible says when Jesus was invited, he went. Right? But that doesn't mean that he was a drunkard. It doesn't mean that... Come on now, he was a glutton, and he certainly wasn't best friends with sinners. He was friendly to sinners. Did you see that? That's the balance, church. Watch this. Jesus was friendly to sinners, but his best friends were the disciples. Amen? But when Matthew started following him and said, hey, Hey, Jesus, I got some of my buddies together, and just like you changed my life, I'm just wondering if you'd come talk to them and see if their life can get transformed like my life was changed. You know what Jesus said? Absolutely. I'll go. 
I'll go. He hung out with the lepers. Come on now. He hung out with the woman at the well who they called a dog. She was a Samaritan. She was a foreigner. She was an unbeliever. And he sat next to her at a well. He went into Zacchaeus' house and said, today salvation's come to your house. Jesus reached out. He was friendly. But his best friends were not the buds, the sinners. Come on now. The tax collectors. They didn't just hang out and drink and, and party. No, no, no. He was light to their darkness. And if you want to find the balance of, okay, well, listen, I've got people in my life. How do I, how do, I do with that? How, how do I deal with it? How, how, do I, how do I associate with them? You have to be, here's the balance. Here's the balance. You have to be light to their darkness. And so the question is, am I being light to their darkness? Because the minute I stop being light to their darkness, I need to reevaluate the friendship. And some things I got to sever. Huh? Because you can't soar with the eagles walking among the turkeys. Come on now. You got to get off the turkey level and say, God's called me to something different. And you know the truth of it is? Watch this. The truth of it is, if you live right, if you keep being light, guess what? They'll filter you out. You don't even have to filter them out. Come on now. You just talk about Jesus from the moment you get there to the moment you leave. Guess who won't get invited next time? (laughs) You say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Just talk about Jesus. The rest of it will take care of itself. You don't believe me? I'm telling you that's the truth. Come on, you just keep being light. Come on now. Keep being light. Because I can't get around my friends and not talk about the Lord, not talk about his goodness, not talk about his grace, not talk about his mercy. Amen. When I was a, a teenager, man, we were, we were, our church, we were, our youth, we were radically saved, man. We were living for God. And so the summer between my 11th grade and my, my senior year at Santa Lucia's high school, class of 88, let's go chiefs. Between my junior year and senior year, I said on day one, On day one, I'm letting everybody know I'm a Christian, I'm serving God, and there's no going back. So I had a t-shirt that said, Jesus Christ changed my life. And you know what? Years ago at this church, I remade it. We remade that same t-shirt. I still got one. This one says, Go Grace Chapel on the bottom, but it didn't back then, all right? So I had this shirt that said, Jesus Christ changed your life, and I thought, I'm wearing it day one. So I walk on the campus like, no going back now. I done told everybody Jesus changed my life, so I can't listen to the same jokes. I can't watch the same garbage. I can't hang around and just laugh at everything that they're doing. Come on now. I'm different. God's called me out. Come on now. We're the church. We're called out once. Hallelujah. So I wore this shirt. Jesus Christ changed my life. And my friend from elementary school, Pablo Ruiz. Pablo was my bud, my homie. Come on, somebody. He was my, what are some of the other names? Anyway, so he was, he was a friend. We were friends in elementary school. We rode the bus together. We were friends in middle school. We were friends in high school. And I just thought he was a lifelong friend. Well, he comes up to me and he sees my shirt, Jesus Christ to change your life. And, buddy, he began to rip into me. And called me all sorts of names and foul language and said he wanted nothing to do with me. 
And I said, well, that's one. One down. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> because they just, you start living for God and you start talking about how good God is and all that God's done for you. Listen, the world don't want to hear it. They'll filter themselves out. Hallelujah. And so the question is, am I being light to the darkness? Because guess what? A few years later now, it's been a few years, just a couple, a couple years since I graduated. I don't know where he is, what he's doing, and who cares what Pablo Ruiz thinks anyway. I'm going to serve God, love God. Amen. Listen, they're not my lifelong friends. They're not my buds. Come on now. It's just people. People come and people go. I want in my life who God wants in my life. And some people have to go. Amen. Some people have to go. And then some people I love from a distance. I love them. I love them, but they're darkness. And so I got to make sure that when I'm around them, I'm being light. Hallelujah. I'm being light. Because I don't want their darkness to penetrate my light. Come on, I don't want them to drag me down. And if we're going to be called out, if we're going to look different, and if we're going to reach a dying world, right? Right? We can't just isolate ourselves. We can't just isolate ourselves. Huh? We're, we're, we're not Amish. That same verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, don't be yoked with an unbeliever. It ultimately says this. Listen, come out from among them and be separate. Yes. Yes. That doesn't mean that you go move to Pennsylvania and grow a beard with no mustache and... Although the more I see this world go crazy, the more I start to think, you know, that's not, that's fresh veggies, you know what I'm saying? Like, no internet, Woo! praise the Lord. I'm starting to think about that little life right there. Tell Cynthia, get your pitchfork, we might be moving to, we might be moving to Pennsylvania, come on, little lady, let's go. No, that's not what, that's not how God called us to live. He says this, we're in the world, we're just not of the world. We're in the world, we're just not of the world. Listen. And what happens is if you've got these friends that are pulling you back, you'll make two steps forward, but then you'll get pulled back three. And they're going to drag you down because they don't want to see you live for God. And what you need to surround yourself with is people who are going to say, hey, you can do this. You got this. In fact, in a few weeks, we're starting connect groups. We're going to have connect groups Sunday in just a few weeks. And it's in our connect groups that you'll find relationships. When men get together with other men or couples with couples or ladies with ladies, what happens is what you do is you find people who are of the like faith who say to you, yeah, yeah, I've dealt with that. I've been through that. But here's what got me through, right? And you begin to find people. They're not perfect. Woo! They're not perfect. Just visit a connect group. You'll find out. It'll take you about five seconds to figure out. There's some flawed people in this room. But guess what? We're moving in the same direction. Amen? Bunch of imperfect people, huh, with our own challenges. But guess what? We're in this thing together. Huh? And I got your back. And I'm going to be here for you to encourage you. Those are the people you need in your life. I want to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask Pastor Martin to come. Would you bow your heads? And close your eyes for just a minute if you joined us on Facebook.